Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Free agency has started. Moves have been made, some of which were moves that we were expecting the Ravens to make. A couple small surprises in who the Ravens did pick up and who they did not. And there's still a lot more to go, as uh, at least when we're recording this, the Ravens have at least not addressed one position of need that I know a lot of fans want them to. But we'll see. We're going to look at who, what the moves the Ravens have made so far, who they let go, and what the landscape is of the market to date. The first few days of free agency are just always a complete whirlwind for any NFL fan. Just so many rumors, so many signings, dominoes falling into place, basically, and just, you know, everybody rushing around and be like, oh my God, all the people that we wanted are gone. Like, who are we going to get? Ah, it's, uh, it's crazy. It, like, it never fails just every single year like the same thing it seems like people have the same reaction all the time but i gotta be honest out of the signings that we've seen so far like i mean i can't say i can't say that we've made any splash signings that you know go against kind of the history of how the ravens organization runs things looks like all these signings are you know relatively cheap none of them were the best uh you know best people out there uh they weren't at the flashiest position groups at the end of the day, man, Eric DaCosta is just um, just picking up where Ozzy left off, man. Just making the, a lot of similar moves. Yeah, let's start off with the move that kind of started them all. At least is maybe the biggest one. Kevin Zeitler, ex-guard of the Giants, but also we, you might remember him from when he played with Cleveland. And Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, it was both. Yep, started off in Cincy, then got a huge contract from Cleveland, and then got shipped to the Giants as part of the Odell Beckham deal. Right. And um, this pick was classic Ravens all over it. Not only is it fill a need of interior offensive line, but since he was cut, he does not impact the compensatory pick program. So some of the other people that could have been picked up uh, interior line were either more, I mean, they were more expensive and they would have lost you the comp pick. So it was a double whammy. So this guy was like clearly the best option. His biceps are huge, unbelievable biceps. And, uh, <laughs> I, I'm really excited about this guy. A lot of uh, commentary going about, will this mean Bozeman moves to center? Um, and then you can put in one of the other young guys at guard. Who knows? This is a big mystery with Skura leaving for Miami today. We're, by the way, recording this on Thursday at 8 o'clock in case anyone <laughs> <laughs> any moves happen uh, between now and, and when we launch. Yeah, like... This could very well be the case. I, I, What do you guys think? I think it's certainly got to be something that they're thinking about. They wouldn't have let Skirter go if they didn't think that Bozeman can fall back if they don't get a better option. So I think it adds flexibility. You got a vet guy who's been around for a while. He's played in the AFC North. He plays college at Wisconsin and played for the Giants as well. So he knows how to play in bad weather, cold weather games, tough physical games. So he fits exactly in with what the Ravens want to do. And, you know, this is still a very young offensive line unit as a whole. You got a lot of guys with a lot of potential in Ben Powers and Tyree Phillips, Ben Bredesen, but you don't really know if any of these guys are going to elevate their game to be consistent starters on a team that's gunning for the Super Bowl this year. So I think, you know, you bring in a vet at, we said, you know, relatively cheap contract, no comp pick loss. It was a no-brainer move for the Ravens to do once they saw that 
that he was available and wanted to come to Baltimore. I definitely agree in that Zeitler is uh, a versatile piece that could move things around. I, I'm still not buying Bozeman going to center. I think that rumor has just been thrown around for the last two years just because Bozeman played center in college and for whatever reason people want him there but at this point he's an above average starter at left guard just like leave him there <laughs> and besides Zeitler plays right guard so um you know it's it's not like he immediately takes over Bozeman's spot you know he probably takes over power spot and we have Bozeman and Zeitler at guard and then you know maybe McCary or somebody else at center but regardless, I mean, we have him and, you know, he could play those spots. So, you know, flexibility is there if we need to. I just, I don't think that's the uh, default configuration that I would go with. The thing for me, though, man, is like making the signing in terms of not going against the comp pick formula makes total sense. But, man, the contract value, when you just compare it against some guys like Corey Lindsley had a five-year, $63 million deal. Thune had a five-year, $80 million deal. And then you look at like Trent Williams, who had like a monster deal. You have all these linemen just getting monster, monster deals. And, you know, it's just, it's crazy that we were able to get Zeitler for half, a third, you know, of the cost of some of these other deals. I mean, that's great. I got to think that like, you know, so many people saying like, okay, Zeitler's one of the better guards on the market uh, now that some of these other teams just had to have overpaid for what they were looking for Um, because the numbers just like don't add up. Like you can't tell me that this guy is like a third of as good as like Dooney or something, right? It just, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Well, the beauty was that the Ravens went ahead. This news came out very early on Monday, right when the tampering period started, we heard about this move and I think they kind of said, I mean, they set the market. Maybe if they had waited, they would have had to pay a little bit more to get this guy than um, they did. So, like you said, uh, sixteen million is fully guaranteed. Eight point uh, nine million sign-on bonus. The cool part is that this year, only four million will go against our cap, which in a COVID year, restricted cap is really nice. And then it gets a little bit bigger, cap hit of almost nine million next year, and then uh, nine and a half the year after that. But I think that's okay, and um, you know, totally works. He's even cuttable, really. Honestly, after this year, if they really, really want to. I wouldn't recommend it, but <laughs> they could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess that'll uh, depend on how the development of, of Powers and Phillips goes. Um, we'll see if that makes him expendable or not, but he's a great pick, pick up for the Ravens. I will say one thing that is a concern in my mind is that he, for a guy of his, of his caliber, he has bounced around a little bit, signed on at Cleveland. Cleveland probably overpaid for him when they signed him in 2017. It looks like he got at what was at the time the highest contract for a guard in NFL history. Uh, Maybe that's one of the reasons the Ravens were able to get him for cheaper was because he had already made his money and realized that (laughs) in the fact that he was expendable by the Browns and Giants probably was had a lot to do with his contract more than his play, I would think. So that is one thing I look at and I'm just like, well, why was, has he played on so many teams relative to his, his talent level? But, you know, as I said, I think finances probably had more to do with that than what he actually brings on the field. Yeah. And I mean, the, the Cleveland to the Giants trade, I mean, you can't, you can't really predict that, right? I mean, you know, that, that may have been one player that the Giants looked at. They're like, you know, we really need a guard and, you know, we'll give you Odo Beckham, but you need to give us Seiler, right? So. Um, I wouldn't put that against him in terms of, you know, his ability to fit in on a team. But, uh, yeah, you bring up an interesting point there. 
I would like to say better late than never to Yonda helping us out. Apparently, he kind of helped vet Zeitler and, and convince him that Baltimore was a great place for him to go. So thanks, Yonda. Maybe we could have used it last <laughs> year, but uh <laughs> worked out. I don't think we could have used Yonda last year. By by kickoff, he was you know, it was I think he was too slim to play. No, I meant like he could have <laughs> he could have done some recruitment for us. Oh recruitment, okay. <laughs> I thought you were trying to get Yonda to come back one more year. Oh no, that would never have worked. Like no. you said. By the time maybe, he was at the maybe Yonda could have filled uh, the tight end three role uh, last year if he wanted <laughs> to come back. Yeah, a receiver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remarkable body transformation that guy made. <laughs> the next biggest signing was Tyus Bowser. Another, I think, high value pickup. Only four years, $22 million deal that can go up to $27 million with incentives. Only $12 million of it guaranteed. When you compare this to uh, Ngakwe and Judon, who got around $13 million a year, this is a steal. I mean, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, I think so. You also look at the fact that Ngakwe really wasn't a fit for what the Ravens do here. And while Judon was a great find by the Ravens as a fifth-round pick. Bowser really does a lot of the things that Judon does in this defense. Judon is a better pass rusher, but really not by that much, really. And Bowser, he's improved every year that he's been here. I'm among the group of fans who want to see more from him, but I think that the Ravens obviously think that he can if they gave him that big of a vote of confidence with that type of deal. So I, you know, sometimes the best moves you make is retaining your own guys. And in this case, the Ravens are able to do that on a team friendly deal. Yeah. It's just cool to, you know, uh, his story, right. Of just coming in a second round pick. I mean, he had high expectations going in and, you know, never quite really lived up to them until, you know, maybe this past year. But again, it's still like a lot of fans who probably be like, nah, he was, he's kind of a bust, but you know, he stuck through the whole thing and, and, you know, was definitely called out a couple of times, I think, by the coaching staff. Um, we would see it in the news sometimes, uh, particularly, I think it was 2018, when uh, when he and Tim Williams were called out and then Tim Williams was cut. But Bowser stuck around and he kept improving, kept working. I'm glad that at least that, you know, he didn't seem to take it personally, right? He seemed to just be like, you know, hey, you're right, I can get better, I can get better. And, you know, to be able to take a deal like this, I mean, I think it shows that, you know, he appreciated being here. I mean, if, if he really didn't want to be in Baltimore, if he thought he could be somewhere else, then I think he would have he would have been gone. Um, but the fact that he did choose to stay here, I, I think means a lot. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting that he's one of the few outside linebackers we've kept. I think outside linebackers, the number one position group that the Ravens have been really good at growing in-house and then... They let him. They let him say goodbye. You know, in free agency, and uh, to mix results, usually they don't do nearly as well as they did in Baltimore. But you know, then you have the Zarius Smiths of the world who continue to blossom. I think that's going to be another big signing for him because the Ravens did lose Judon to New England. I think uh, we might see Malik Harrison take some more Sam roles because I don't know if they're really going to have anyone else they can sign. That would fill that. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, uh, it doesn't really look like there's that guy out there. But um, if there are, I would guess it would be uh, a cut down the line. So we really wouldn't know who would be available at this point. I think especially considering what the bigger needs are and what the Ravens do have at the moment, probably looking at uh, a camp cut or something of that sort 
if the Ravens feel like they need uh, another guy to bolster that. God, I hope they don't turn to him because then that feels like a reverse Correa experiment. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see that argument as well. <laughs> yeah, you mean don't turn to Harrison? Yeah, I mean Harris. I mean Harrison's a inside linebacker. I'd hate to see him, you know, be moved outside just because we have a you know lack of it there and him not to be able to progress because he's switching between his position groups, right? Mm, okay, that's fair. I mean, he might be able to do it, but you know, the question is, you know, whether you should, right? That was, that was the whole thing with Correa is that the Ravens really thought he could play middle linebacker. And he was like, no, I don't want to at all. <laughs> <laughs> the other outside linebacker the Ravens brought back was Pernell McPhee. Just a one-year deal. He's going to be one of those uh, classic veteran beneficial cap signings where he makes more money than he actually costs against the cap. So that's kind of cool. And, um, you know, just continuing to go that well. Hopefully he continues his fountain of youth. Yeah, I mean... McPhee is really becoming a really interesting story. Um, I was looking back at the at the drafts for the Ravens between 2010 and 2012. McPhee, I believe, was drafted in the 2011 draft class. And you go back and look there; there are not a lot of names, uh, certainly from this from day two picks that are still in the in the league. And while McPhee, I think, has been a, a really solid player for his NFL career. Uh, he's also a guy that I think could have fallen out of the league because what he brings to the table, a lot of other players can do what he does. But I think to this Ravens team, he's really in tune with the Ravens culture. He talked a lot last year about talking with Ray Lewis and about how Ray Lewis was telling him how he could be the the vet guy on this team to really help the young guys learn the Raven way and, and learn what it means to, to be an NFL linebacker for a Baltimore Ravens defense and he really seems to relish that role and to be happy to be back in Baltimore and have the role that he has. So I think you got to give a lot of credit to this guy for, for being a survivor in this league and for continuing to, to stay relevant. And it's just great to see him back. And you got to love that yeah, he still wants to play for the Ravens even after bouncing around the league a little bit. Yeah, it's crazy too. I mean, his story is just like, you know, when he left and went to the Bears – you know, at first he kind of was that Zedarius Smith of he had a great first year with Chicago. I remember looking in some of the uh, comments from some Chicago fans and, and loving the guy and and uh, thinking he was a really good pickup. But then you know that injury after that, he just he was never the same player again, um, at least in Chicago. And then after that, kind of bounced around a little bit and was able to come back to Baltimore and, and it's just a nice piece for sure. Not as dominant as he was, you know, in uh, you know as he was in. 2012 playoffs or you know the first couple of years that you know the Ravens defenses were just stacked but uh he's still really good so I'm I'm happy that we have him back and we have Bowser back I mean I think all of us here predicted that we were hoping that out of all the outside linebackers we bring back these two glad that the Ravens were able to make it happen because I think uh it'll be good for a year that's going to have a lot of transition and speaking of bringing guys back and uh not having to have too many new faces on this team. The Ravens also brought back Derek Wolf, another move that we thought the Ravens would do. But I think this one was a little, little more up in the air. There are reports that the Ravens were also looking at some other guys to to fill that position. But they ultimately did go back to Wolf on a, another team friendly deal, three years, twelve million dollars. So going to have the Monstars back, uh, if that nickname ever caught on or not. I don't can't recall, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's going to be great. It's, you know, sure. Is Wolf getting up there in age? Is Campbell and Williams getting up in age? Absolutely. But, 
you know, I think when you got a guy like Matabuke back there to spell these guys and to keep them fresh, and then, you know, the Ravens also re-signed Justin Ellis. So, I, I th- you know, the defensive line was so key to that playoff dominance that they had with the defense. You want to just try and run it back and just see how well these guys can do with the second year of all gelling together. So I think it's another excellent move there by retention. Yeah, Derek Wolf was just a warrior during that stretch, particularly where he had to take one more snaps. So he was definitely became a fan favorite very quickly and excited you to get him back, um, particularly for this pretty friendly deal. I mean, three years, $12 million. It's kind of nice that he's back long term, you know, after a one year deal last year. And um, hopefully, you know, finish out his career with us and get a ring. We talked about Justin Ellis. I guess the next guy um, on defense we need to talk about. Um, I, I think this is more notable probably because of, of what happened here and with another player. So Chris Board was re-signed for another one-year deal. You know, I think this is pretty good, particularly for special teams. I know we were talking a few episodes ago about how we thought Chris Board would be uh, taking over for Anthony Levine as kind of the leader of special teams. So I think this is primarily what it's for. I think it's particularly interesting, though, because we found out, I believe yesterday, that the Ravens were not going to tender LJ Fort. So uh, as it stands right now, he's not guaranteed to be back with the Ravens. It seems like they may want to re-sign him for a lower deal, but that's not a guarantee at this point. So, um, you know, Board will definitely have more opportunities this year to be able to contribute at the middle linebacker spot as well as special teams. Yeah, it sounds like Fort had a two and a quarter million dollar deal um this year it was just an option though none of it was guaranteed um and the ravens didn't pick up the option and like you said it sounds like they just think they can get him back for cheaper and if he finds gainful employment elsewhere that so be it It was a risk they were willing to take pretty interesting because since that's happened the ravens have not made any moves to justify the extra cap space which i know is definitely frustrated some of the fan base yeah i i agree with that i think it was a little bit of a surprise move although I forget if we actually talked about it. I know, I can't remember if it was Chris or, or Alec, which one of you guys mentioned it in, in our chat as a possibility that Fort uh, could be cut. I thought, you know, with the youth of, of um, Harrison and, and Queen, they wouldn't do this type of a, of a risk. So, And like you're saying, it hasn't come with an accompanying move as of right now. So it's a little bit of an interesting one. Uh, on the Ravens side, but I guess we're just gonna have to see how it plays out before we can understand the full rationale of it. I think the Ravens are in a difficult spot, so we'll get to it soon. But they're definitely trying to preserve their comp picks. We know how they love their comp picks, and a lot of the players that you'd want to sign now that are left on the market would take away a comp pick. And I think it's gonna be very interesting to see if the Ravens decide it's worth it. So we'll get there soon. I think that's the kind of the issue that they're running into. They will spend their money. I'm sure of it. But I don't know if they're going to spend it soon. But there are a couple last additions that we should talk about, one of which uh, got me very excited. First, we had Gus Edwards um, you know, sign the second-year tender, as was you know heavily expected, and uh, pretty much ensures that he'll stick around for years to come. I don't think they've actually agreed to the long-term deal yet. But people are expecting about $3 million a year. Yeah, which feels like a fair value for Gus. I think it'll really come down to whether or not he wants to stay with the Ravens or test out to see if he can be uh, more of a, of a bell cow back, number one, um, because 
as much as I love Gus and as much as he's been valuable to this Ravens team, um, J.K. Dobbins definitely seems like he is the lead back of the future, but that still doesn't mean that, that Gus doesn't have a huge part in this offense, as we've saw all there were plenty of games this past season where uh, we had both of them rolling, and it was a huge benefit to the offense. So it's good to see the Ravens giving that vote of confidence in Gus, who uh, leads. I was actually interested, uh, this guy, a stat I came across, Gus Edwards actually leads the Ravens by far in a certain statistic. You guys can guess what it is. Like uh, 2020 Ravens or like Ravens all time? Ravens all time, believe it or not. Yards per dollar against the cap. <laughs> I mean, I haven't crunched I was those numbers. Yards for carry, but okay. <laughs> Actually, Chris is right. So this is interesting. Gus Edwards has the most seasons in Ravens history averaging at least five yards per carry. He's averaged at least five yards per carry each of his three seasons in the NFL. No other Ravens running back in team history has had more than one season where they've averaged at least five yards per carry. Wow, which really? Is really one? Yeah, yeah. even running Jamal back. Lewis and, and Ray Rice from running back. Right, correct. Yeah, see, this is why I was hesitant to say oh. this. I should have said that because um, I was like, I know Lamar has better yards per carry, but I was thinking maybe right. yards per carry. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, not, yeah, Lamar, yeah. Lamar will blow okay. him out of the water. <laughs> no matter how long Gus stays on the team, Lamar's going to have more <laughs> seasons with over five yards per carry. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, but, it's a byproduct of the position he plays, but yes. Right, yeah. Um, very good. Well, guys, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Josh Oliver. And I think I was the only person on Ravens Twitter to lose their mind about Josh Oliver. And I was very happy that at least Peter in our chat also seemed to appreciate the fact that we got this guy. I think it's a really big deal. And I had no idea what you guys were talking about. <laughs> I, Alec and I must have read the same article back in the offseason because like, I had not I had forgotten the name as well. And then Alec was going bonkers about it. And I was just like, wait, that name sounds familiar. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He was he, Some guy projected him as like this sleeper candidate to break out last year. I was talking all about, you know, how this guy's got size and speed for, and he's, you know, can stretch the field at the tight end position if he can stay healthy. And he didn't. And (laughs) spoiler, (laughs) we all forgot about him as a result of that. You know, all 50 of us who read this guy's article and got on that hype train. Um, (laughs) But I mean, every, every NFL player who's been good was an unknown at some point. Like, some Ravens fans looked at this guy and said, wait, he's only got three catches in his career. Why Why are you doing this? Well, it's only for a seventh rounder, I believe. If he makes a team. That too. I, you know, you, you can't give up less to take a flyer on a guy whose potential is pretty darn high. And yeah, it might not work, but if it doesn't work, you lost nothing. So it's a really intriguing move here that could play huge dividends in once the season starts. Yeah, for every hater saying like, oh, he only had three catches, right? First of all, watch the catches. They're not Ben. <laughs> One of them was particularly good. And also, I raised you at Deshaun Elliott, right? Everyone was saying the exact same thing about this guy last year. Two years of injury. He looked good in preseason. He had some flashes, but no one knew. And then he comes out. He plays all 16 games. He plays well. And we're like talking about him as our starter. Josh Oliver could do the exact same thing. He could have a really great year this year, not get injured, and be awesome. And I think if he earns a roster spot, it's going to be really exciting because the Ravens will be able to play not just 13 personnel, which is the obvious one with the extra tight end, because he'll be the third tight end. He won't be replacing Boyle. 
but I think he brings more versatility in the 12 personnel that Boyle doesn't bring because he has the extra speed. And um, you watch this guy. I mean, he's definitely athletic. He's not the most athletic, right? But he's he's quite athletic. And I'm very excited about this pickup because it just shows the commitment the Ravens are making to finding a third tight end again. And, you know, maybe it's Breland. Maybe it's Josh Oliver. You know, who knows? It could be anybody. But they're they're taking some shots. And I think they're pretty committed to trying to find one. Yeah. I mean, for a, for a conditional pick, I mean, if the guy makes the team, like, I mean, that's nothing, right? And like you said, Alec, I mean, if, if this guy's going to be the third tight end position, like, it, we're not looking for another Mark Andrews, right? We're looking for a guy who can come in and, you know, be that missing chess piece in some of these personnel packages. And, you know, if he were to get, like, if he were to make the team and get 200, 300 yards, maybe a couple of touchdowns, like, that would be great. <laughs> that's that's really all we're looking for. You know, we're not looking for the next Darren Waller, Mark Andrews. We, we just need that missing piece that we lost when Hayden Hurst was traded. Exactly. Yeah, he brings back the personnel group that made the Ravens unpredictable in 2019. And um, that's, that's what I'm looking to ask for. That's great. I'm super excited. So best of luck to Josh Oliver. I hope he stays healthy and um, you know, finds his way on the team. I mean, it'd be even amazing, right? Like, it's not outside the realm of possibilities. He was the 69th very nice pick of the draft. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he could actually be better than we think. Like, what was Andrews' pick? I think he might have been later. Maybe. I mean, they were both third-round picks for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and what Pitta was a third-round pick as well, right? Darren Waller was undrafted. Like, the, the Ravens, they might not know, have a good eye for scouting out potential in the wide receiver position, but tight end is a completely different story. 86 pick. <laughs> that was, was Andrews. Andrews. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Jacksonville's always going to draft ahead of us, so except for that one year, 2017. That's probably the only year that they drafted behind us. I think another thing you have to look at, there's the counter-argument to this, which is, well, wait a second here. Jacksonville has no tight end. This guy has only been in the league two years, and they're already giving up on him. Why? Why should we be excited if a team that's desperate for a tight end doesn't have one. But I think you also got to look at franchise's track record with developing the position. Jacksonville, I can't remember the last time they had a good tight end. Um, uh, I, I mean, they had Mercedes Lewis for a while. But was he really that good? Like He had three touchdowns against us in the London game, all right? He was, he was good that game. <laughs> that was his career game. That was it. <laughs> I mean, he, was, he had like, to go across the pond. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't great, but I mean, he was, I thought he was a fairly productive tight end for a while. Maybe like around average, right? But my point there is like that's the best. That's the best you can give is a guy that we got to argue about whether or not he was ever you know that good of a caliber. I think some franchises just don't know how to develop certain position groups or don't have the eye for what a potential they have. Uh, You know, we've talked about it with the Ravens with receivers. You know, other people in Baltimore love to talk about it with the Orioles with pitchers and how. Orioles give up all these pitchers and, you know, they've had better success in other spots. I think that we don't need to worry about the fact that Jacksonville gave up on this guy. I think they're just not a franchise that that knows tight ends and the Ravens do. So that's another thing. Or much of anything. (laughs) Well, (laughs) right. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's that's, that's, yeah. No, I I hear your point, Peter. I'm not trying to argue with you because it's it's Jacksonville. Like there's not really that much defending them. So I am going to look at Mercedes Lewis. What was his best year? I do agree that, that earlier in his career, Mercedes Lewis was a solid tight end, but 
I think no, you can name at least five Ravens tight ends who have better dude, careers it's, than it, him. It's, it's Jacksonville. All right, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna pick up Trevor Lawrence, and it might turn things around for like a year or two. But then after that, yeah. in four years, they're gonna be drafting another quarterback. Like you know, it's. I mean, they're working their butts off, man. They're working their butts off in free agency. They've had so many pickups. He did have ten touchdowns in 2010. Respect there. Never eclipsed five after that. Anyways, moving on. Except for that one year, he had three against the Ravens. Which was 60% of his touchdown output on that season. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. You just need a good 60 minutes. <laughs> All right. Before we talk about some of the guys that maybe the Ravens will pick up uh, that are still in the market, let's talk about who got away, starting with the players that were on the Ravens last year. We already alluded to it. Judon went for four years, $56 million to the Patriots. Yannick Ngakwe, two years, $26 million to the Raiders. And then uh, a kind of interesting move. I guess Cully wants all these culture guys. Chris Moore and Mark Ingram find their way to the Texans. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh, I just remember seeing the Judon deal and I'm like, that's not $20 million a year. <laughs> you know? I mean, he was very adamant that that wasn't what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. 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 Man, I thought that was the whole saga, man. It was, it was kind of ridiculous. I mean, it got out of hand a little bit, but I think it's just funny looking back on it now. I'm like, Judah wasn't wrong. <laughs> but, uh, I, man, I wish him, I mean, I wish him the best of luck. The Patriots offseason this, this, uh, this year is just absolutely crazy. I, I'm just, I'm blown away by it. I know we were talking about that in the chat. It's just, it seems like, Bill Belichick, he's like he's played he's played franchise mode like every other way possible, but now he's just like f it. I'm just gonna change everything and do everything that I wouldn't have done, because like there he's got nothing to lose. He's like I've already like been crappy last year, and now I just want to see if I can throw money at people and like actually come up with a great team. It's hilarious. I don't appreciate they reset the tight end market. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> all these all these middling tight ends are now getting paid almost as much as the uh you know kittles of the world and more than the wallers of the world and i'm like man you just made mark andrews more expensive i think he did it despite us (laughs) that's fair i didn't think about that until now yeah like johnny smith and hunter henry for that much money come on yeah the guy who put more money in into the tight end room than i think ever has been seen (laughs) it's unbelievable so right. many millions of dollars and from a team yeah from a team that had gronk and and hernandez for a while too i know they're just trying to recapture that glory i know we also lost some other ravens so morgan cox the lone member of the wolf pack no longer on the ravens went to the sad sad location of the tennessee <sighs> titans oh man that just sucks <laughs> sucks to see man mm. jihad ward to the jags which bummed me out i thought we would get him back a little bit of controversy around Broderick Washington after apparently he destroyed five vehicles. Yeah, I mean nothing's confirmed. Like, he hasn't been cut yet, but it's certainly not a good look for for him. And uh, you know, with a team like the Ravens, I think they've been particularly sensitive to off-field issues recently. You heard it here first. <laughs> he may not be back with the team next year. I think a lot of the other names on this list. Look, I mean, we, we talked about it last uh, last couple of weeks about you know what are some possible names that could be linked to the Ravens? And I'll say all three of our guys that we thought could be linked to the Ravens, none of them are, are here. So uh, <laughs> Corey Davis went to the Jets. Still not sure why that happened. <laughs> Marvin Jones, sadly not side with the Ravens. He's in Jacksonville as well. And uh, Curtis Samuel, the last minute we thought uh, he might be still on the market. 
he's going to the woofed right down the beltway. So uh, we just got to pick better guys, man. I don't know why none of us picked Zeitler. We should have picked for him. I don't think he was cut by the time we did our episode. That's true. I thought there were yeah. some rumors that he might be, but that's true. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of rumors at the time though. It's it's tough to know what to latch onto as uh, and not. I think Alec even brought it up but when we were preparing for this episode, he was like, you know, this is this was such a hard one to do especially given the cap situation this year to know who is really on the Ravens radar cuz you just don't know who the cuts are going to be. And yeah. we could still see that with the wide receiver position. We'll talk later about who the guys are who are out there still on the market, but there could be another cap casualty of a vet guy. Uh that is on the level of an AJ Green, who I thought was going to be the Ravens' backup backup plan if they struck out on some of these higher uh, rank guys, guys with more left in the tank. But uh, he went to Arizona, so he's not going to be uh, in Baltimore this season. So, yeah, we'll just have to see. I would be very surprised if the Ravens go into next season with the wide receiver core as young as it currently is. I could be wrong, but that would seem to be uh, a very, it would be a gamble in my opinion. Yeah. So what is left with the wide receiver group? You've got uh, one still huge name. Kenny Galladay is still out there. And then you start getting into the the riffraff. You got uh, Juju still out there. T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins, Golden Tate, Willie Sneed reunion tour <laughs> i mean there's really not that much left um i don't look at that list and think to myself let's lose a comp pick for one of them so i'm pretty sure the ravens feel <laughs> the same way yeah yeah if you have to put it that way yeah um i mean certainly you know one of these guys could be back although you know, i guess Sneed would would count against the comp pick because he was a free agent he wasn't released by the Ravens even if he was re-signed by the same team I guess he would still count against the comp pick formula he might not be a big enough signing I'm not 100% sure but but the rest of the say, guys for sure I'm gonna I say mean, this. Juju might yeah. get some money Kenny G might get some money yeah I don't think the Ravens are gonna be in any rush to sign a guy like Willie Sneed they can wait till after the draft and not lose a comp pick yeah so that's kind of how I see it it's really up to other teams to start picking these guys off and then they come in I mean, I'm sure they've reached out to one of these guys. And we were talking about it before the show and said, hey, we will sign you after, right? They'll sign you after. It no longer affects the comp pick. Hit us up if you get another offer. You're about to take it, you know? <laughs> and maybe they have something like that going on. But, you know, you look at this group and I'm just like, all right, they're going to draft somebody. And, you know, we talked about getting older. They're not going to get older. Maybe the guy will get cut, like you said, Peter, and that will open up some doors. But right now... I'm starting to think we might not even get older. <laughs> and <laughs> honestly, I don't even care, to be completely frank, because let me put it this way. If we picked up Curtis Samuel, which was one of your guys, or or Corey Davis, they didn't get much older, per se. I mean, they are older, but they're not that much older. And you can still develop one of the guys in-house to be one of those guys. Corey Davis, you could have Miles Boykin. Uh, Curtis Samuel, you could have Devin DuVernay. I- I'm just saying, like... No one really cares about their age, right? Like, if you told me I could have scary Terry McLaurin at 23 years old, I'll take him, <laughs> right? Like, we, we just want more production, and usually the older guys in the Southern League are productive. Well, I, I think what I'm what I'm trying to say is you feel more comfortable going into the season with guys who have somewhat of a track record. I think we can all agree that Miles Boykin, Devin DuVernay have high potential, but 
for one reason or another, we just haven't seen the results yet. Um, and one or both of them could absolutely have a better season this year than a Marvin Jones or a Samuel or, or certainly a, a, a Corey Davis. I'm really disappointed with Davis that he didn't try and and find a better situation for himself and rather chase a chase contracts, but that's neither here nor there now. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying necessarily, you know, that a guy like that's going to be better. I just think that I think if you're a team who is going gunning for the Super Bowl, you've got guys who, who have shown something in their career so far and Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown as consistent pass catchers. And you'll have a healthy Nick Boyle who's reliable you know, on short passing routes, but those guys are going to continue to get double, triple covered. If guys like Boykin and Duvernay, who you're gambling on, who haven't done anything in their NFL careers, much of note to this point, can't take pressure off, off those guys. And what do I know? I'm I'm not, the coaches know more than I know with where these guys are. And I believe these guys have the skill set to do it, but I think that the Ravens will be well better prepared if they can fall back on a guy who is a little more reliable going into the year in case one or both of those guys don't step up. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I kind of approach it from the same angle that Alec does. Of like, look, somebody will be signed um, when it doesn't affect the comp pick formula or they'll be signed around training camp. We'll find somebody. Somebody will. Somebody who is not on the team today will be in the wide receiver room by the time uh, the season starts, period. I think it's, I think it will happen. But I mean, you know, I, I think it's just a classic like every year of just like people love to spend money on wide receivers. And, you know, the Ravens don't think that, you know, getting one of these receivers immediately in free agency are really going to significantly increase their chances. Like they can find a reliable guy um, late in training camp. I mean, uh, it's, it's not like this team is is missing like a huge amount of production from uh, the receiver room. Like you said, I mean, we have some options today who are proven catchers, but we need that extra piece when like when they're covered, you can have somebody reliable to go to. And uh, I think the Ravens have just uh, found throughout their history that, you know, they can, they can find those guys later in the off season. And so uh, to me, it just seems like another one of those years. I will say I don't think the Ravens are going to get this guy because there's already some rumors that other teams are interested in and he's making some visits. I will say I would love Kenny Galladay and I think he'd be worth a comp pick if the Ravens were able to make that work. I don't think they will, but he is one guy from that list. He is the one guy, I should say, from that list that I think would be worth the Ravens taking a flyer on. Yeah, that's on a flyer though. Yeah, like you said, that is the pick. Like If they want to really flex their muscles... Use that cap space they just freed up with Mr. Uh, Fort hitting the free market and maybe do other restructures, etc. Kenny G's the guy you get. But there's shadow of him being a one-year prove-it-deal kind of player, and like just one year to lose a comp pick would really hurt. But if it got you a Super Bowl... <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, if it got you a Super Bowl, I'm here. And I understand it. I understand why Ravens fans want this, because they think, and I mean, they're not... Uh, unjust for thinking it right they think like unless the ravens do this like they're they're not going to make it it's gonna be the same old same old greg roman offense and it's game over and it could be but you know just last week well not really but you know last time we recorded we were talking about how excited we were about these new coaches and how like this could really change up things for the wide receivers and 
you know, passing game and, you know, they're very quick to forget. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm okay if they don't sign anybody because, you know, if they go and get one of these top wide receivers and another very deep wide receiver class, we saw how productive they could be last year. We saw incredibly productive the top picks were and the Ravens could have one, right? As long as the Raiders don't pick them, they're good. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. When Peter was like, oh, but what, if you could get a Super Bowl, I immediately thought back to that Top Gear meme where they're like looking at the two cars and they're like, oh, do you like this? He's like, no, I like this one. Except like you're pointing to the comp picks. It's like, could you have a Super Bowl car or do you want the beater comp pick? That's the Ravens right there. If you had to make a comparison. Oh, man. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I want my comp picks. All right. So the other position that the Ravens have yet to fully address this offseason is the pass rush. We did talk about how they brought back Pernell McPhee, brought back Tyus Bowser, uh, but both those guys are more defending against the run or pass coverage. Neither of them are are really huge pass rushers at this stage in their careers, Um, but there's still some guys out there the Ravens could look at. Granted, they're older and have injury histories, so Again, I think when you look at this list, and we'll go through these guys, I think the same thing that we're talking about with the wide receivers applies here. Do you really want to take a risk on one of these guys at the expense of a comp pick as well? Some of those guys are still out there are Melvin Ingram, Jadavion Clowney, Carlos Dunlap, and Justin Houston. Yeah, out of some of the names that are left for pass rush, um, I, I think for me, Carlos Dunlap is definitely really interesting. You know, another one of those players like Zeitler, too, is like, you know, I'm sure he's very, very familiar with the Ravens. I mean, we played against them for a long time, and uh, he had a lot of success against the Ravens. And, you know, when I look back at a lot of the free agents that the Ravens do sign, a lot of them come from that same vein of like, they played really well against the Ravens. And, you know, the front office liked them so much and appreciated their, uh, their ability to have to wreak such havoc against the Ravens teams that, you know, they wanted to bring them in. And Dunlap, for me, I think, is he fits that bill. I'd be really interested to bring him in. Uh, maybe as a guy who could rotate with McPhee um, or uh, Sack Daddy. So it'd be, it'd be an interesting, like, you know, I, I, I don't know what a fair contract would be for him. I don't know, like a one-year, like, one-year, four or five million dollar deal or something would be interesting. Yeah, I was a bit surprised that he was on, on the market. I mean, granted, it was the Seattle Seahawks who all of a sudden seemed to become a mess of a franchise. But you know, he when he got traded from Cincinnati to Seattle, he helped turn that defense from being one of the worst in league history to actually pretty decent down the stretch. Um, so he's someone who still has some juice left in the tank. And if, as we said, he knows how to play AFC North football, he'd be a good fit for a one year prove it deal if that's what they're looking for there yeah i don't know i think the ravens have a decent amount of money tied up in the pass rush mainly through um clayus campbell to be honest and i don't know if the ravens can truly afford to have more older veteran guys on their pass rush with the amount of money they're gonna have to move to offense Mm -hmm. soon with the with the deal to lamar i think at this point if they're going to spend money, and they will, they probably will. Like They're not going to leave all this cap room unspoken for. It's probably going to be on the offense. I don't think there's really too much room to do another move. They've kind of shot their shots by bringing back guys like Derek Wolf and uh, and Bowser. Fair point. If it's not Kenny G, though, who's left on 
on offense to spend money for. I mean, you'll spend a decent amount of money on a guy like T.Y. Hilton. doesn't matter when you sign him. You're probably going to pay him like five, six million a year, which is kind of annoying, in my opinion, because uh, Marvin Jones went for like seven. I'd rather have him. Yeah. Seems like he has more left in the tank. I wonder if Jacksonville might trade him for a seventh. <laughs> <laughs> Conditional seventh, he makes the team. Conditional seventh. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they'll just cut him. <laughs> that seems unlikely. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's Jack- like, like, like you said, it's Jacksonville. So remember this time last year, they literally traded away Calais Campbell, their best player on defense, for a fifth round pick. Come on, let's let's remember that for a second now. Like they are not a well-run franchise. No, but they they've actually had a pretty good free agency to this point. I think they have. they made a lot of moves, so. and I remember looking at them, and I'm just like, those are actually most of those moves are actually pretty good. Well, guys, I'm excited to say this is a great episode to end our run of. Uh, two-digit episodes internally we'll know the next episode's episode 100 so thanks for everybody who's been listening uh through all these episodes we continue to go through them as we've reached our our milestone of uh the 100th episode coming up next time we record yeah we'll have to do something special to celebrate that uh, come up with some unique off-season idea so stay tuned so you can hear that and you can follow us on twitter ravens underscore recap let us know how you feel so far about free agency. And you can email us too if you'd like. Feedback at ravensrecap.com. Talk to you soon. Sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> you, should say, you should show that to the whole, the whole thing. I'll, I'll say <laughs> After the show, though. After the show. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> otherwise, right. we'll get sucked in. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> gotta label the guy in the blue shirt as alec too (laughs) (laughs) i don't like the implications of that though (laughs) oh man no it's all in good fun <laughs> oh man, we don't even know who's right right now. Like we don't we don't know if if these guys are worth it or if the comp picks are worth it. We won't know that till till the end of next season. <laughs> well, sorry for getting off the rails. <laughs>